morning, church fam. Hey, if, if, if we've not met yet, my name is Josh Zello. I'm the preschool pastor here. So that means I get to lead kids all the way from birth to when they turn five and start kindergarten, and we send them over to Pastor Todd Weir at that point. Hey, parents, if you don't know this, in those hallways, we give those kids church. Those kids get church every single week. I love preschool ministry, and it is real ministry. So right now, those kids are having a church service much like this. They're singing songs of praise. There's a kid's sermon going on right now, all the way from kids who are one and two to 10 to 12. And we've heard life change stories already from Camp Ascend with our Hill students. So um, here at 1910, we really, really value that next generation because Jesus does too. So um, hey, let me tell you just a bit about me. So um, I have been married to my best friend, Hannah, for three and a half years. So um, love that. And then we've been at 1910 Church for two and a half years. And let me tell you this, we love 1910 Church. 1910 Church really feels like a church family. This church, if you don't know this, you'll know this soon. This church loves like nothing else. This church loves really, really well. Our small group feels like family. This large group right here, you feel like family. You are Leaders that we serve with every single week, you guys feel like family. We love this church so much that last year we actually added to the church family. So it was part of our ministry expansion plan. Um, November 2020, my wife gave birth to a beautiful baby girl named Avery Piper. So she's now seven and a half months old. We've been parents for seven and a half months. So we are pros now. We just know it all. Uh, you can buy our new book in the church. No, 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 we are not pros. We don't know it all. In fact, every single day I learn what I don't know, and it's a lot. It's a lot. So um, I'm with you learning and growing every single day and through my parenting journey, hopefully being, by the grace of God, formed into the likeness of Christ. So, and that's why I'm excited about this series that we're in right now called Mi Familia. My family, we have been learning about what does it look like for our families to be happy and healthy in Jesus. Here at 1910, we really do believe that's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants your family to be happy and healthy in him. Here's what I mean. Your family, if your, if your family's joy is rooted in Christ and not anything else, then you'll have joy no matter what. Jesus wants your joy to be rooted in him and not anything else. And then when there's marital problems or job loss or money or, or any type of challenge that comes your way, you can stand firm and be steadfast because you have joy in Christ no matter what. And once your family finds true joy in Jesus, your family will be spiritually flourishing and spiritually healthy. Now, you might sit back and say, well, Josh, that's great for those with families, but you might be single or y'all might not have kids yet or your kids might have left the nest or you might say, well, I'm 14. <laughs> but here's what I know. Biblical parenting is a lot like biblical discipleship. And all of us are called to that. If you're part of the family of God, if you've trusted Jesus, 
then you're part of the big C church. You're part of the big global church. If you're part of this church house, you're part of the 1910 church family, and you're called to be a disciple who makes disciples. You're called to lead those who are younger, not just physically, though this house does have kids. I'm really glad of that. That's good news for me. Good job, security right there. But there's spiritual kids too. In Scripture, spiritual children are just those who are RM, RM, are just younger in the faith than you. So they may have just started this, this faith journey with Christ. Maybe you've been at it for years and years. But spiritual children are in this church that you're called to come alongside and lead and point them back to Christ. So as you hear me speak this morning, and I may talk about parenting, parenthood, I may talk about family, but don't tune me out. Don't leave to go to Whataburger yet. Stick around because biblical parenting is a lot like biblical discipleship. And if you follow Jesus, you're called to that. Here's what else I know if you're sitting in this house right now. You would say, this is true. You want your your family to walk in the way of God. You want your family to walk in the will of God. You want your small group to walk in the way and will of God. You want your friend group to walk in the way and will of God. So much so, you may have gone to Hobby Lobby and bought a sign that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You've heard that one. Yeah, you want your family to walk in the way of God. And I have learned this. The family that walks in the way of God walks with the word of God. If you want your family to walk in God's way and walk in God's will, you can't do it with your Bible closed. Open it up. And with your family, walk with the word so that your family can walk in the way of the Lord. Jesus shows us that in Deuteronomy chapter six when God speaks to Moses and says this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So first, God says, here is who I am. I want all of you on the same page, who I am. I'm God, I'm one, there's one of me, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. We all know that part, okay. Verse five, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. So once you've come to that, to that understanding of who God is, out of that should come love for God. And then what do you do with that? What do you do with that love for God? Verse seven, you shall teach them these words diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lay down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Don't just have family devo times, but do life with the word. Hold scripture high in your household. Jeff Vanderstilt says it like this, Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. I love that. You're called to lead your kids, to lead those younger in this faith journey than you in the way of God by doing life with the word of God with them. Notice he goes through some really, really practical things right here. When you sit in your house, when you watch movies, when you read books, when you do homework, 
you can use those moments to lead your kids to the Lord with the word. When you walk by the way, when you ride in your minivan, maybe you don't have to watch movies just to get to the H-E-B. Maybe you can use that chance to talk about the things of God. Those are precious, precious moments. When you lie them down, when you put your kids down for naps, when you put your kids down for bed, that can be as, as easy as just a quick Jesus storybook Bible. Lead your kids in the word in those moments. They shall bind them on your hand. May your kids know God's word so much that it's like the back of their hand. May it be on the front of their eyes so that it's just in the forefront of their minds at all times. Guys, if you do life with the word, with your kids, they'll start to walk in the way of God. You'll find that your family is in God's way, in God's will when you walk with God's word. And that's just doing it in the everyday stuff of life. Everyday moments, try to turn your mind and think, okay, how can I use this moment to glorify Jesus and do life with my kids, with my family, with the word. Now, why? Why is God's word such a big deal? Why is this bound book that's one large book with 66 smaller books, why is this book such a big deal that it changes lives? Many of you in this room, you you would say, yes, this book has changed my life. It's changed mine. Why is it such a big deal? Well, some have said this, some have said, well, it's like a roadmap. If you just follow that, you'll get to where you should go. Okay, that might be true, but incomplete. Um, the owner's manual of life, who's heard that one? So if you just follow this, you can build the life that you want, just like I built that grill last month with my owner's man- manual. Um, some have said it's a moral book for moral people. Well, I'm out. Um, <laughs> I don't really care what people say. I care what Jesus says. And Jesus says this. Jesus says this book is all about him. Jesus says that it all exists to point to his name and his glory. This book does not exist to make me better. This book does not exist to make me richer. This book does not exist to make me happier in this world. This book exists to point me to Jesus. Jesus says this in John chapter 5, verse 39. He speaks to some Pharisees here, and these guys, out of anybody, these guys really did treat Scripture as a moral book for moral people. And they would have stuck their nose in the air and said, well, that's me. I'm a moral gentleman. Jesus says this. You search Scriptures because you think in them that you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet, he says, you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus says, you spend all this time in God's word and you miss God. You spend all the time in the word of God and then you kill the word of God? Wow. You spend all this time in God's word and yet you miss it. So here's what I'm not saying when I'm saying do life with the word. I'm not saying tie your kids to this moral anchor that's going to weigh them down. I'm saying set them free with the word of God. Here's how this looks in Clubhouse. So if my main point is, well, don't lie, lying is bad, right? Okay, so I'm not just going to tell kids, don't lie, have a good week. 
No, because then they'll go home and when they stumble and lie, they'll be weighed down because, ah, uh, I'm not moral, I'm a sinner. Okay, instead, I'm gonna teach this. Jesus is truth. And as you know him and walk with him, you're gonna start to walk in truth. Jesus, at the heart of scripture, really does change things. I love this quote from A.W. Pink. He is a theologian. He wrote this years ago. We cannot know his will. We cannot know God's will if we are ignorant of his word. I pray that in your household, it cannot be said of your kids that they're ignorant of God's word. I want your kids to know and be filled up with God's word. Students, I want you to know and be filled up with God's word. Small group leaders, I want you to know and be filled up with God's word so that you can go lead in God's way and in God's will. And I think Jesus tells us exactly how to walk with the word of God. Walking with the word of God is seeing Christ in scriptures. Walking with the word of God is seeing Christ in scriptures. Every page is about Jesus. Every story is about Jesus. Every character is about Jesus. Jesus is the hero in every single corner of God's word. God's word exists to point you to Jesus and his person and work. Jesus shows us that very, very practically in Luke 24. I'm gonna start in verse 13. As you turn there or flip there or scroll there, and let me catch you up. So we're going to meet two Christ followers. One of them, we know his name, Cleopas. One of them, we don't know. Luke doesn't tell us. But um, these two Christ followers, they've seen some extraordinary things. And they've had hope. They've had hope in this Savior, Jesus, who said that he came to save them all, and they've believed it. But then he died, and their hope was crushed. So we meet them Easter morning, the first Easter, Jesus had risen, but it hadn't made news yet. Rumors started to spread around, but it's not on their news app yet. All right, so in verse 13, we meet these two. That very day, two of them, Jesus' followers, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, so about a three-hour walk. And they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. They talked about the good things. Remember that time Jesus fed a whole crowd with one boy's Lunchable? Ah, uh, that was so cool. <laughs> Remember that time that he told a dead guy to come back to life and the guy just came back? That was awesome, man. All those great stories and parables and wow. Remember that time when he walked on water? That was so cool. Wow. Um, but then their minds turned to the darker things, the sadder things. Remember when Jesus was arrested? Remember when he was falsely tried? Remember when he was in public, executed, and hung on a cross? Remember when he was buried in a tomb and soldiers were set to guard him? Man, we really thought he was it. Verse 15, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. I love this. Sometimes I think, I think God's word can be kind of funny. These guys walking along is so sad. Man, Jesus died. We sure miss him. Jesus walks up and says, hey, guys, what's going on? 
but their eyes are kept from seeing him. Why? I think their eyes in this moment were kept from seeing Christ as who he was because Jesus wanted to root their hope this morning in God's word and not their own experiences. It would have been really easy for them to see the holes in his hands and feet and say, oh, you're alive, great, cool. But instead, Jesus is going to take time to walk, to walk this road and show them himself in God's word. They're going to get to walk with the word of God, studying the word of God. Love that. Jesus asked why they're down. They say, haven't you heard about Jesus? Are you the only one here that hasn't heard about Jesus? Jesus goes, tell me about this Jesus guy. Verse 19, he says, what things? They said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people. Was that part true? Yes, cool. So far, good start. Our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. That part's true too. But then they shift to a hope lost. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Had hoped. Had hope, past tense hope. We had hope and now we don't. We had hope and now we're leaving town. Their hope was just rooted only in their experiences and not in the word of God. Experiences aren't bad, church, but if you just root your joy and your hope and your faith in only your experiences, you're gonna be let down. Your hope will collapse. But if instead you turn your heart, you turn your hope to the, to the word of God and root your hope in God's word, your hope will stand no matter what circumstance. Right here, they had their hope and their experiences. So when Jesus died, their hope collapsed. If their hope was in God's word, when Jesus died, they would have said, Isaiah said this would happen, wow. Isaiah said this would happen, but then David said he was gonna come back, so I guess we just wait. If their hope was in God's word, they wouldn't be leaving town, but their hope is not. Then they start into, well, there's this rumor around town, yes, and besides this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as these women had said, but they did not see. They shared with, with, with Jesus in this moment rumors of his own resurrection, but not one that they had faith in. Jesus was about to point out, hey, your hope's in the wrong thing. Jesus says, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, get this, all that the prophets have spoken. Short speech for the whole Old Testament. You're slow of heart to trust these things. Jesus says, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then starting with Moses and all prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. I don't know how long this sermon was. I really wish that I could live stream it. 
I can't find it on the podcast app. That would be really cool. I'm a big podcaster. Maybe Jesus started in Genesis. See how the whole world was formed at the word of God? I am the word of God. I was there. See how God God says, well, somebody's going to come from Eve to crush the head of the serpent. That's me. I've come. Maybe he said, see how God killed an animal to cover Adam and Eve's shame and nakedness? I've come to be killed to cover your shame and your sin. Maybe he took them to Exodus. See how, see how Israel was freed from from slavery, I have freed you from slavery to sin and death and brought you into freedom and life in the promised land with God. See how the angel of death passes over every single house under the blood of the lamb? Death will pass over you if you're covered in my blood. Maybe he took them to Micah. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Guess where I was born? Jesus would have said, I was born there. Or... Isaiah, see how by the power of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah predicts my crucifixion before crucifixion was invented? See how he said that um, I would be born of a virgin? I was. You can go ask Mary. She's still alive. See, King David, yes, I'm in his family line. And I'm the one who will sit on the throne and rule and reign forever. See, in Psalm 16, when it says that God will not leave me in death, he did not. He brought me to life on the third day. Jesus took them through scripture and showed them, hey, if you knew God's word, your hope would have stood. Your hope would have stood and you would not be leaving town because my word the whole time said this was God's plan. Jesus wasn't plan B, Jesus was plan A. The whole time, it was God's plan that he would come to live perfectly, to love everybody always, to die on a cross and rise again, and they almost missed it. Reading the Bible with Jesus at the center anchors our family in the word of God and not the experiences of man. I pray that your family is rooted in the word of God and not your own experiences. I pray that your small group is rooted in the word of God and not your own, your own experiences. I pray that for your friend group. I pray that for this large church body. No matter what comes our way, may we stand in a hope because our hope is in the word of God, which is not gonna change. Verse 28 in Luke 24. So they drew near to the village they were going. He, Jesus, acted as if he was going further, and they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it's toward e evening, and the day is now far spent. See, they just saw Christ in, in Scripture, and they want more. That was not enough. They want more. Imagine if your family wanted more. Imagine if as soon as your family left these walls, you're counting down the days to come back here. Imagine if your kids during quiet times or during car rides said, mom, tell me about God's word. You can get there. Start with just showing them Jesus in scripture. Let their appetites be wet and watch them want more. And of course, Jesus sticks around because where Jesus is invited, he always stays. 
verse 30, when Jesus was at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. Maybe they looked back and forth and said, it's Jesus. And he vanished from their sight. And now he's playing hide and seek. Maybe they looked around trying to find him. Where did he go? And they said to one another, notice they do not say, wow, he's alive. Notice they do not say, where did he go? What do they say? They talk about how Jesus taught scripture. They said, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road while he opened up the scriptures? Now their hope was rooted in God's word. Jesus had turned their hearts so now they could say, my hope rests in the word of God. Even now that he's physically vanished, we have hope, we're excited, and guess what they do? They get up and they run back the way that they just went the entire three-hour trip in the dark. In really, really old times with no flashlights. They go back because they can't help but go share this good news. Jesus is alive. We've seen him and he showed us in the word of God. Now, what does this do? Once our families start to walk in the way of God, by walking with the word of God, what does that result in? What fruit does that give? Well, this. The family that walks with the word of God worships with great joy, glorifying God. If you want your family to worship God, start with the word of God. And as your family's in the word of God, they're not going to be able to help but worship him. As Peter said, where else would we go? They're just going to want to worship. Your small group will be a small group of worship. This large group house right here will be a house of worship like we just sang, rooted in the word of God. So they race back to town, go into a closed-in room, tell the, the 11 still left, hey, guess what? Rumors are true. Jesus is alive. Then Jesus just appears right in front of them, and speaks and says this, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Once again, he goes back to his word, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. I love this. Then he opened their minds to understand scripture. Wow, I'm praying that for your family. May this week your family's minds be open to understand him. And he said, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that re repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. Jesus spends 40 days with them. And then he, he takes them out where he is about to ascend. During these 40 days, now they have a fresh view, a fresh vision of God's word, because now God's opened their eyes for them to see Christ in scripture. Jesus in verse 50, as he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. But once again, he's leaving them. They're seeing it now. They're seeing him lift up 
once again, he's leaving them. Now, is there hope in their experiences so it's going to collapse now that he's gone? Or is there hope in the Word of God? Their hope is in God's Word. Look at this. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. May we be continually in the house of God blessing God. Families, this week I challenge you, walk in the way of God by walking with the Word of God. In everyday moments, in morning coffees, evening bath times, minivan rides, I challenge you to make those everyday moments about seeing Jesus in Scripture. And I challenge you during your own quiet times Start to read scripture through a Christ-centered lens. That's what changed everything for me years ago. Once I saw and heard and really did understand of, okay, what, what Christ says here is true and this book is all about him, it changed everything. Read scripture like a detective trying to find Jesus because I promise you he's there. You'll read and find yourself shouting out, he's there, look, wow. Jesus is there the whole time. Families, this is not hard. You can just start with Mark. This week, I challenge you, dig deep in God's word, start small, aim big, and you'll see Christ do incredible things as you walk in his way and his will with the word of God resulting in worship. So right now, let's live out that last point. We were just filled up with the Word of God. Let's stand up and let's praise the King. Go ahead and stand up with me. I'm going to lift my hands and pray. I invite you to lift your hands too. Let's pray and then let's praise the King because He's worth it. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, may you... Just like in Luke 24, may you open up our eyes so that we see you in Scripture. May we have a fresh passion for your word. May we have a fresh passion for the things of you. Guide us towards you. Give us a thirst for your word and then help quench that thirst with your everlasting living word. Jesus, we love you. May we praise you with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds, all of our strength. May this house be a house of praise. May these homes be a homes of praise. May you be glorified in Jesus' holy name. Amen.